The following podcast is brought to you by the BICBP Radio Network. Hello, everybody. Unfortunately, we lost Christopher Chavez uh, over the weekend. He um, he he lost a buried alive match. Yes. He may return in six months in a new gimmick. I don't know, but or he could kayfabe be dead. We don't know. Uh, this could be where this. <laughs> uh, no, he was. Uh, he lost his buried alive match against the Undertaker, and as we all know, the dead man tells no tales. And he won't let us know where Chris is. So he could be anywhere. If you've seen Chris, uh, please, please call. Not your authorities, because that would make sense. Call uh, myself or Matt, even though we're never going to give our numbers out. And no. let us know uh, where he's at. Because we, uh, Chris, if you're hearing this, uh, please get in contact with us. Uh, you mean a great deal to this show. And uh, sorry about the whole Undertaker thing. You are the sticky, sticky adhesive that keeps this show together. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> so we wanted to, we wanted to try something different uh, today. Myself and Johnny, we, you know, we um, kind of put our own twist on Hartley Cafe. We, you know, we like to talk results here, of course, um, but we wanted to at least try this out, see what the reception was, and and doing just a show just focused on a, a particular subject um, and make it like show off our creative side a little bit. Uh, you know, we know everybody has podcasts. Everybody has pro wrestling-based podcasts. And in order to stand out, you got to be creative. So my myself and Johnny are today are going to do a, uh, a what-if episode for pro wrestling history. And I'm actually really looking forward to, the, to this discussion. Uh, myself and Johnny came up with two. Chris uh, left us two in a note in a bottle before he got buried alive. Yeah, and we he have had un- it just in case, in, in case he lost the match. Yeah, uh, and we un- thinking ahead. We uncorked it. So, um, yes. so yes. What if is going to be our theme for today, and pretty much what the idea of what if. If you're a comic book fan, uh, Marvel used to do a series of what ifs, and it was like these alternate. Like, if things happen a certain way in the comic book's timeline, what would it be like? And I think, like, pro wrestling has... it. Pro wrestling, uh, CM Punk alluded to it in his uh, his, his, amazing, you know, his big promo, um, his big original pipe bomb, essentially. That's, you know, he's just another spoke on the wheel. Pro wrestling is an ever-turning wheel. And when one thing doesn't work out, the next plan happens and it almost sometimes seems like a smooth transition uh sometimes more than others but uh wrestling has changed a, a lot um but but seems to continue to go on a, on a trajectory if you kind of understand what i'm saying uh you know things happen people don't get over wrestlers don't get over um things don't happen a certain way they they quit they retire and and but wrestling has to keep going. The show has to go on. So that's kind of what we're going to explore today. Yeah, for sure. So these are uh, aren't they actually bringing back the Marvel What Ifs? I thought I read that somewhere. 
I'm looking I forward re- to it. I actually, um, last year on the panel discussion, uh, cheap plug, that we actually, I read a couple of the what ifs. Um, I don't know if they're bringing them back again, but last year there was a what if. Oh, you Flash know what it was? Yeah. They're, they're actually going to do, I think it the might cartoon. be an animated show. Yeah, that's For it. Disney yep. Plus. That's what yes. it is. But um, Looking forward to that. That'll be fun. It should be. It should be. Oh, let's see. You know what? I'll start this off. I'll okay. start this one off. It's kind of kind of my brain travel. Set the flow with it. Um, there are so many, so many timeline alternate, you know, altering events in the history of pro wrestling. Um, and it was hard to just choose two. There's legit so many more. You know, what if certain individuals won a match at a certain time? Um, behind the scenes stuff. It just does so much go hand in hand with it. But uh, I wanted to challenge myself with a little bit with my first one and go back a little old school. And um, pretty much my what if is what if Vern Gagne never pushed away Hulk Hogan? Um, I don't know if you know the full story of this. I do not. You do not. Um, let me get Let me get it up. Okay, so... Explain it to me like you would a child. <laughs> well, little boy. Uh, <laughs> Good start. <laughs> Vern Gagne was the uh, the promoter for the American Wrestling Alliance, AWA. Um, big promotion back in the day. You know, it was one of the last ones to really give Vince Jr. the fight before they folded. But, um, but Hulk Hogan was one of his biggest draws at that time. Uh but Hulk this wasn't was a sh- right before Hulkamania took off, right? Like it's this, on the cusp of it. This set it up, yeah. um, essentially. Uh, Vern Gagne, uh, you know, he acquired Hulk Hogan. He was he, he was his biggest draw, but Gagne didn't like him because he wasn't a shooter, um, which is pretty much they can have an, like an amateur wrestler style. He liked that. Vern Gagne really liked that uh, that technical stuff, that old world catch catch can style wrestling, um, and Hulk Hogan was not that. But uh, allegedly, um, you know, Hulk Hogan, he was ready to give Hogan the push of his lifetime. But in order to do that, uh, Vern Gagne wanted the bulk of revenue that Hulk Hogan made from merchandise sales and matches in Japan. Uh, And Hogan refused, which uh, I probably would too. You know, it it, it wasn't like an ownership thing. I, I would be a little upset if, you know, a promoter took most of the money from my artistic talents. I would. Um, especially Japan. Japan money is big. Even even back in the 80s, it was it was real big. So, you know, there's a whole mess of events in this. And, and uh, you know, before I get too far, uh, Ganya actually was offered a cash bribe to the Iron Sheik to break Hulk Hogan's leg the, uh, the night Hogan won the, the championship. Yeah, that I do remember that. Um, it's uh, I don't know if people because uh, you know I'm older than you, Matt. But uh, even when I was born, like I was born in '83, so Hulkamania was actually already going on when I was born. Uh, so like this is deep into wrestling history here. I don't think people realize the nuances that were involved with uh, Hogan at the time, right before he signs with Vince McMahon. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot went on, you know, with it. He got pushed away. Hogan actually was with the WWF. Kind, I'm not going to say first, but he did WWF, AWA, then back to WWF. But the thing was that 
Vince Sr. pushed away Hogan because of his appearance in Rocky Three. Uh, you know, he went off yes. to do that, and and it just it, it was a strange look for him. But um, I mean, pretty Which made much no sense. Why would you be mad at a guy for <laughs> for bringing more attention to your product in a way? <laughs> yeah, I don't, maybe it was kayfabe back. Then. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. He, he I mean, I could say he jobbed to Rocky or anything, but. Um, <laughs> I it was it was just strange. It was it was a very strange situation, especially looking back nowadays. Thunderlips. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, my what if is for today, or well, one of my what ifs is uh, if Vern Gagne had never pushed away, you know, pushed away Hulk Hogan, what would the state of pro wrestling be like? I mean, around that time. So I guess I guess the real question would be. Uh, so this uh, this says so pretty much in your scenario here. Hogan never leaves uh, leaves Vern, so he stays with them. So would that promotion actually be able to stick around longer? Because I still think it would have ended up eventually, no matter what they could have done, I think it would have you know, folded over at some point. I think uh, they would have uh, had a, a fighting, uh, a better fighting chance. See, Vern, Vern's style was so old. I think he put the title on himself very late into his age. Yeah, I remember that. Um, uh, who else was, was on the roster? Do you know? Do you remember? AWA had a lot of guys. I know uh, they had some. They had some good talent. I know that for sure. Scott Hall was there. Kurt Hennig was there. Um, I think Rick Martel was an AWA champion. They, they had a, a really good roster, and a lot of these guys ended up getting scooped up because they seen the kind of money that Hogan was. You know, Hogan. You know, pulled for him. He put him out of business. This and that, but. But yeah, I mean, if they kept Hulk, you know, Hulk Hogan, who at that time was a mainstream star. He he was I mean he was their biggest draw, uh, and AWA didn't know how to really promote guys. Didn't really know how to push guys in that time period. I guess wrestling was changing, and Vince McMahon Jr. seen that, um, and that's why Hogan you know Hogan did you know did so well. He actually this is the funny thing. Uh, he Hogan was had an agreement with AWA to show up until February of the following year, which. Um, I don't remember when the exact leave happened, but Vince McMahon actually paid him not to go to AWA bookings. He said he made, he you know, between like being fined by the AWA for missing bookings uh, and and taking in money from Vince McMahon, he was actually still making more money uh, with Vince to not show up. So, but yeah, I mean, AWA, this is a big thing. I I think it lasts a little bit longer. Um, Perhaps, I mean, aside from, Crappy booking, maybe the loss of all those stars back in the day uh, pushed him, pushed Vern to maybe over the edge, and his booking wasn't quite all that right. He thought maybe putting the strap on himself would save AWA, but people weren't buying it. Um, and also this, too, uh, how does this change the WWF's trajectory? Yeah, um, that's, the, that's the even more interesting part, in my opinion. Because I mean, it, I mean, obviously, when Hulk Hogan showed up and Hulkamania went running wild, I don't think we can stress how humongous that was for uh, the WWE and honestly for pro wrestling in general. But uh, it, you know, it was such a humongous thing, and that's the reason why they were able to do such big business. I mean, that's the reason that Vince McMahon took a chance to do WrestleManias. Yeah, you know, uh, so maybe we might not even have pay per views or have had pay per views without this. Uh, you know, stick around today. Uh, maybe you know, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. And also, you got to kind of think too. Like, what if 
I mean, what if they did? What if Vince's plan had never changed? What if he was going to do this regardless of Hulk Hogan being the face of it? Who would have been the face of the WWF throughout that time period? You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's a, a good question. That's another, that's another good question. Who I were? This, I mean, yeah, who were the top I mean, baby faces at that time? I mean, I know? think you'd have to run with uh, Macho Man, wouldn't you? I mean, he's that, that was my instant, my head. Yeah. That was my instant thought. Macho Man was super over. Um, you know, and there was a couple. I mean, there's a couple other ones, but I, I like. I'm trying to think. Let me let me pull up the very first WrestleMania card. Let me yeah, pull that idea. up um, and kind of see who were the stars at that time. Uh, I mean, Roddy Pipe, big heel names, but you need a big face name. Um, right, right. That's what we're talking about. We need a face. They had some great heels already on the roster. Roddy Piper, obviously, is, is an all-time great. Uh, but uh, I just don't see him ever as a over-the-top baby face. He's no, I mean, like, here, he's, here's he's a natural heel. Yeah, I mean, here's some of the baby faces at this time. Tito Santana. Uh, S.D. Jones, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, I don't know if Brutus Beefcake was a face at that time. You know, like Junkyard Dog, uh, U.S. Express. You I know, mean, Junkyard I, I, Dog at one time was very over. Yeah. Uh, never to the point of Hogan, but he was over at one point. So I don't uh, – of all the names you've said so far, either him or Steamboat are the only ones that are really popping yeah. out to me. Or like Andre. Those were the big faces at that yeah, time. Yeah, and Andre yeah. Is, is on his way out by then. Uh, by the 80s, he's kind of starting to break down a little bit. So, Yeah, you can't uh, even make him the face. Um, right. And actually, uh, I found this out while researching this. Bob Backlund thought he was going to win the title back from Iron Sheik the night that Hulk Hogan won it. Um, you know, Would they have given Bob Backlund another run and, and try to make him the face, even though he had an old school kind of feel, you know, feel to him? I, I think Vince knew he wanted to go on the more so the big-bodied uh, – entertainer side of things and yeah. and i don't think bob Backlund would have been able to do that for him no that's um, not who bob Backlund is right? no not he that dude's bad shit i met him once he's crazy uh but <laughs> yeah. i admire he's he's so good he's so good though um but yeah i mean i think all signs point towards uh macho man being potentially being that guy he's not even on the first wrestlemania card I'm not sure where he was at at that point in his career. Yeah, uh, but, but even, let's just even say it would this. have taken a year later or so, they would have pushed him to the moon. Yeah, oh, yeah, uh, for sure. I agree there. But And as over as Macho Man and Elizabeth were at that time, uh, they still honestly kind of paled in comparison to Hogan. I mean, Hogan was so over that on house shows, you'd want to be on a house show with Hogan because, I mean, you just made more money you yeah. as a wrestler. Like, you didn't even, I mean, that was a big deal. Other wrestlers want to be on the same show. Because, you know, you get paid better. So, uh, I mean, that's how over Hogan was. I mean, he was humongous. He was everywhere. He was on, you know, Saturday morning cartoons for crying out loud. So, uh, you know, it's just, I. this is a great question. Like, if he never, do you think he would have eventually made it to the WWE? To one, I think he would have eventually made it over there. No I think what. he would have eventually made it to there. Um, but I, I think at that point in time, like, that was the... And maybe it's because it's already happened, and we know the after, aftermath. But that point in time, with Vince's vision, him slowly taking over, um, you know, his father's business, and, and wanting to make a mark, wanting to be different, uh, I think it was a huge turning point. You know, that was the writing was on the wall for the territories, essentially. Um, you know, that stuff was gonna go away because of what Vince was trying to do, and. And, yeah, I mean, he he pushed away the biggest star. Uh, you know, Oliver 
merchandise, you know, merchandise in, in in wrestling payment. Like, come on, the bulk of it, maybe a cut, maybe a cut, but not the bulk of it. Right. Uh, that's that's just overboard. But yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of big aftershock of this. And, and just real quick, like I said, um, you know, who would be the face of the WWF? Would the AWA have lasted? And would Vince McMahon have, you know, been able to take over from a national level, uh, you know, pro wrestling the way that he did if Hulk Hogan had never been pushed away? So that's that's what I want the listeners to kind of think about and make your own, you know, make your own thoughts. I'm sure everybody's going to have different opinions and stuff, and I think it's great, uh, you know, that everybody thinks differently. So, but those are, I think those are the big three biggest questions that come from this this moment right right true true all right you ready for my first one yeah let's do it all right so of course i've made no secrets about it except for to the man himself because i don't want him to ever know who i am Uh, i'm not a fan of brock lesnar just never have been Uh, (laughs) however my question that i that i bring up is of course we all know now that brock lesnar is the one who ended the undertaker streak at wrestlemania Mm. All right, that's a humongous deal. Uh, what if, this is my what if, what if it would have been somebody else? What if uh, they did not give out to Lesnar, who didn't need it <laughs> at all? Uh, what if they had given it to another wrestler and they could have made somebody? Oh, that is an amazing question. Because my first thought would be uh, one of their many reboots of Bray Wyatt. You know, he goes up against The Undertaker. And this is when he's in his cult phase. You know, he's kind of leading the cult, the, the Wyatt family. Yeah. What What if he actually wins? You know how much of a big deal that would be? That'd be humongous. Bray, I mean, they'd have no choice but to have Bray at the top and book him properly. This is yeah. a really deep question. Um, because for the longest time, everybody thought he was going to retire perfect. Right. Everybody wanted Undertaker to retire perfect, which, I mean, I would have been okay with that too. But... You know, Brock Lesnar beat you know beat Taker didn't need it, but he went on this you know year long year plus long thing with the title, and you, you know, know that I'm been, I, th- that brings up this for me like Brock Lesnar's got to be the most strangely booked wrestler right like oh he, yeah he beats Undertaker's streak I mean that's a humongous deal that's huge not too much longer he loses to Goldberg an old Goldberg by the way. In in what what seconds it seems like yeah so like that is just strange and then just literally recently as within this recording he beat Kofi Kingston in seconds <laughs> so, after by the way losing to Seth Rollins twice I believe yes yeah so traditional I, champion and I don't understand how they book him it makes no sense to me I I don't either it's yeah it's it's something um. But yeah, I mean, gotta think. Yeah, I mean, Bray Wyatt's probably the best one that could have, you know, alternatively beaten and broken the Undertaker streak. Uh, you know, gimmick wise, talent wise, I think it would have been a like a fantastic match. Um, you know, and it's it's weird too. There was talk from years prior to that happening that Taker wanted Kane to break the streak. Kane refused. Um, People thought John Cena would be the guy to break the streak, and I think John Cena refused as well. Um, right, yeah, I got the list of all the people he wrestled on, up until uh, 
there. Okay, so uh, Jimmy Snuka was the first one. Yep. Uh, Jake Roberts, Giant Gonzalez, King Kong Bunny. These are all big time names. I mean, by the way, I mean, Giant Gonzalez maybe not, but uh, still he was a well known guy. Uh, Diesel, uh, Psycho Sid, Kane, Big Boss Man, Triple H, Ric Flair, uh, A Train and Big Show, Kane, Randy Orton, Mark Henry, Batista, Edge, Shawn Michaels, twice of course. Those are you know high quality matches right there. Uh, yeah. Triple H twice, CM Punk uh, was when he went twenty one and was against CM Punk. Uh, that's that's a great list of names right there. I mean, that's a who's who of wrestling almost. It is. I mean, who like for how hot Punk was at that time? Yes. Can you imagine if they pulled the trigger on him? Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, Punk was already over, so I guess he technically didn't need it. But if they they'd given that to him, that's. I mean, he's he doesn't have to do anything else. Mega stardom, and he yeah. might still he might honestly still be around wrestling. Because I remember when he did Colt Cabana's podcast, he was very, very jaded about that. He's like, you know, he was he was actually pretty jaded. He was jaded about a lot of things. Punk was, but he was, you know, like, you know, you're you're putting over the Undertaker at WrestleMania, and then he, I guess, his reply was, "Yeah, who's showing up for work on Monday?" So he's got a job <laughs> out. He jobbed out. He actually jobbed out to the Undertaker, and then I think disappeared for a few months uh, after that. So, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great question. I'm not sure if I was a booker that I could really support the idea of Brock Lesnar going through with it. Um, I mean that the effects of winning, you know, instantly amazing, but long term, eh, eh. Nobody's gonna, you know, nobody looks at Brock Lesnar's career and and was like, man, when he beat the Undertaker, it was a turning point for him. That was it. Uh, Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, that that was my other point to this. Like, let's you know, let's look back at the fact that Lesnar beat him and ended the streak, this huge deal. Overall, it made no impact. I mean, as much as you would think it would. It To me, it kind of pales in comparison. It, it did nothing for, in my opinion, it did nothing for Lesnar. All I think it did was, was let, you know, Heyman have one more bragging right thing for, yes. for him. And that's about it, honestly. Yeah, and then Lesnar... Lost to him at I think SummerSlam, yeah. I think that year, same year. So it's like it just, just don't, just don't, <laughs> just, <laughs> just don't just do it, please, please yeah. for the love of God. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, that's a great one. That is, a, I mean, that's a big moment. I wish I could hear Chris's take on that. Rest oh, yeah, in peace. Sure. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> well, do we want to grab? Let's. You want to do Chris's first one that he left us then next? Yeah, let's do that one. Uh, if you want to read that, actually. Yeah, if you want to read that off. All right. Um, basically, his his one be what if the territories were still around? So basically, what if uh, the WWE didn't kind of become this global? Well, definitely in the United States, but really they're global now. This global wrestling promotion that was the mainstream. Uh, if if you're not aware, I think most people who love wrestling and look into the history know. Uh, before the WWE got huge with you know the help of Hulkamania running amok, that territories were the were the thing. You would go from territory to territory, and that's just an area in which uh, a certain wrestling company kind of had jurisdiction. I don't even know how you want to you know describe it, but basically that's what it means. Like you had uh, an area in the, in the Carolinas where I'm at. You had an area up north. You had an area uh, you know in Canada. You had an area uh, you know. Uh, 
in Florida and, and in Georgia and in Houston. All these were big territory areas. Uh, so what if those were still around today? Um, hmm. It would be particularly interesting. Uh, and one of the questions I think Chris brought up too with that was would it be like run with like divisions and stuff like that? Um, you know, I would actually wrestle. I technically did wrestle for the NWA. Uh, my training was NWA. It was used to be called NWA New York. And they had to pay dues into the National Wrestling Alliance. They had, um, you know, championships. Uh, you know, our, our, our show's heavyweight title was just essentially New York's NWA branch. Um, but obviously not to the extent of that, that it was way back when. Um, the territory thing is cool, is really cool. And NWA is slowly starting to make a comeback. I don't think you're ever going to get that territory thing again. No, but no. If, if it had never gone away... Uh, I mean, if done properly, if done properly, uh, and I, I think it would, you know, it would still be efficient. There's, you know, I think the biggest problem today with, with wrestling at a national scale is that these dream matches, at least with guys in the same company, which, you know, for the longest time has just been WWE, you're getting those on the regular. The, the matches don't feel as special as they could, you know. There's a little bit of interest in a certain bout, and Vince McMahon catches wind of it, or the Booker team catches wind of it. Let's do it. Let's do it. We're not like Batista and John Cena. The first time that they wrestled against each other, SummerSlam. That was the buildup was terrible. Now, could you imagine if that was in the territory days, and John Cena being a Boston Mass guy, the North essentially the Northeast, uh, it would be a, like a Northeast territory. Like I said, I'm not sure how the it was split up. Uh, Northeast, Batista, a Washington, D.C. guy, like a Central East, like some sort of thing. Can you imagine that matchup happening in the draw? People, people knew. People knew what was going on around the country uh, back in the yeah. 70s, 80s. They knew the results. And, and this was before social media was a thing. So yes. be even easier today. Uh, to kind of get that stuff across. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to think because, like I said, NWA's been trying to resurface lately. I mean, they did that Cody, like that show that they did, um, I think it was, the, was it the All In, the first, like, Cody Rhodes Young Bucks show, and they, Cody Rhodes won the NWA title, uh, you know, and how big of a deal that felt like. Like, that's how it could be. These guys who never face, who never face each other on the regular. Um Facing each other for big time bouts, champion. Yeah, I think it would be the. I think it'd be the most positive part of that. Right? It would be, you would legit be able to get fresh uh, matches because that's one of the things they would do back then in the territories. Was a guy would go around to different territories. You wouldn't just stick around in one place. You would go around. You go like from one area and be there for a while. Then you'd go to another area and be there for a while. So you would get fresh matchups every once in a while that get more crowds in. Yeah, one hundred percent, and you know, it was it was a good way to keep things uh, fresh and new, as we like right. to say around yes. the modern yes. WWE. <laughs> uh, it it really was, uh, you know, the NWA they they essentially voted upon their champions who they wanted to go, and you know, if their champion hit the ter- hit the one territory up for X amount of weeks and and had to put the guy over, um, you know, put it put whoever they selected over, it it usually went well, and. 
You know, I, I don't think the NWA truly did anything wrong. You know, as far well, the territory system, I don't think they really did anything wrong uh, by any means. It's just Vince McMahon uh, it was the next best thing. His idea of national, legit national wrestling uh, was just it, it just it punched him in the mouth. They didn't know how to recover. Um, they didn't they couldn't adapt with the times. Uh, yeah, NWA was, you know, it was great. I, I still wish it was around that like that today. And, and to be kind light, like lightly honest indie wrestling is sort of like that yes um, sort of like that to the to an extent it's not like a unified bunch at all like it, you'll get like three promotions in a city or a town and it, it kind of sucks but every like region has like a major wrestling promotion everyone like every, every kind right. of every one of them and you know the their major wrestling promotion their champions there's a lot of hype behind them and then start people. People started thinking, "Oh, you know, uh, what if they wrestled this promotion's heavyweight champion?" Uh, you know, Pac did that. Pac did that before he left for WWE the original time. Um, you know, Brody Lee, well, Luke Harper, formerly Brody Lee. You know, he got to wrestle like Sammy. Uh, oh Christ, what's his name? Sammy Callahan and Rich Rich Swan and and, and uh, I think there's one other. Maybe Kevin Kevin Owens when he was Kevin Steen. They, they did like a fatal No, it was Pac. It was Pac. But these guys were all like champions and the and the higher up guys and their and their respective promotions and they're meeting up and, and having these matches with each other that people want to see. That's you know how it sh- should be. I like keeping things separate. That's why I liked when WWE's brand extension kept the wrestlers separate. The territories did that at a much larger scale. Yes, very much so. I do kind of think, though, at some point, eventually, we would have had less and less territories just because some just were not ran well. Uh, and that's just going to be an issue no matter with with anything. So I think eventually we would have had less and less territories, and, and one of them would have broke out and become the one that everybody kind of watches or pays attention to. I think it would have happened eventually, just with, especially with social media, because when something gets popular, then that's, you know, that gets training or whatever you want to call it, and that brings more eyes to it, so... Uh, I think eventually we would have lost that anyway, uh, but it would have been kind of cool if we could have kept it a little longer just to enjoy it. We would have more than just, uh, you know, for example, two companies going at it during the Monday Night Wars. We would have had maybe four or five, which would have been cool. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine those talents spread out, though? You know, like, Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. If WWE wasn't just the national juggernaut, you got... Yeah, I, I just feel like the more spread out guys are, the more chances there are for stars to be created. And oh, yeah. And and yeah, you would have had a lot of stars if the territories were were to make it to this day. Uh, you know, I used to think AEW was going to help out, bring help out a, a revival of not so much territory, but uh, uh, well, maybe, maybe like a territory light, essentially, just regional guys having great matches at different promotions. And you know, it's not not the case. AEW is, you know, is there eyes aren't set on competing with the WWE, but uh, it could work. I mean, it, I think it still could have worked, and you're pro- you might be right. It, it, it could have, it probably would have went away. Um, things change, evolve. That's just how the nature of the things. But, uh, but yeah, I think I think it's kind of like you know some some companies do a good job with. And this is not just in wrestling. This is just in anything. Do a good job of being able to adapt with. The, uh, things changing with you know technology changing and times just changing in general, and some companies don't. I mean that's why we've 
some companies me and you grew up with are gone now. Toys R Us? Yeah, Toys R Us, which is making a comeback. But, you know, they literally went bankrupt. Uh, right now, look at GameStop. I grew up with GameStop, and that one's because they kind of didn't learn how to or figure out a way to kind of grow with the times and change with technology. They're on desk doorknob, you know, door doorbell right now. They're about to, they're firing people and <laughs> closing stores left and right now, it seems. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that would eventually would have happened to some of the territories. Uh, you just got some people who are, and I could probably be like this myself, so I'm not throwing anybody on the bus here, who think that their way is the right way and don't listen to other people's opinions and kind of take, you know, uh, the best of what everybody, you should hire people who help you out and you want to listen to their ideas, even if they're different from yours. Yes. Which is something I don't know, I don't think that kind of happens in WWE even now. <laughs> <It seems. laughs> but, you know, what do no. I know? <laughs> yeah. You're just a silly podcast guy. Yeah, I'm just a silly podcast guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go through our round two of uh, this discussion. Right, my, my second choice uh, for a what if. What if Brock Lesnar never left the WWE in 2004? Um, hmm. Which I think is career-altering for several people. I think several people, uh, this changes a lot of stuff. Brock Lesnar was the hottest thing, 2002, 2003. Uh, you know, there was big ambitions for him, but he uh, he couldn't handle the road life. It became apparent. And, you know, they tried what they could to kind of accommodate him, and that's probably why he has the schedule that he has now. But um, Brock Lesnar was the megastar. You don't beat The Rock at a prime pay-per-view like Summer SummerSlam or really at all unless you're poised to be a star. And Brock Lesnar certainly was, was one. He had the make. He had that mythological big guy body, but he can do the athletic stuff too and some crazy insane stuff. You know, F5-ing Big Show, uh just shooting star press. Uh, granted, the one at WrestleMania 19 wasn't his best one, but he could do. <laughs> That's putting it lightly. Yeah. Put it lightly, but I mean, he could he could do it all. He legit could do it all. Um, but he just got burned out real quick, and uh, and yeah, uh, you know his exit. Everybody knows. Uh, well, I think his his last match was against Goldberg at WrestleMania 20, who was also on his way out. Yeah, and the fans knew and did not give yeah. a shit. No, they did not. That was a. Uh, I remember watching that match live, and just the crowd reaction was something else. <laughs> I think that's when. I think that's when. If I think that's when, if you're in the back and you're like, well, the fans will kind of just take whatever we give them, and you just see that, you're like, yeah, the uh, fans kind of know everything now. Moment, you know, like we can't hide anything from the fans. Everybody knows these, but these guys are leaving. So why would they care? <laughs> Right, yeah, and oh, they were very, like, I had no idea. I had no idea that was happening. I was legit shocked on SmackDown when uh, Paul Heyman, I think, yeah, it was that following Thursday that he announced that, um, you know, Lester had left WWE, and everyone was like, whoa, shit. I was surprised. I was real surprised. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think if Brock doesn't leave, um yeah, things would definitely change. I don't think he would have turned heel in the end of 2003. Uh, I don't know when exactly he made it known that he wanted to leave, but I don't think how, he would have. Do you know? Do you remember how long it was between him leaving that he did the MMA stuff? 
Uh, it was a couple years because he tried out for the Minnesota Vikings and he got. Oh yeah, that's out. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, he got kicked off for beating up a guy. Um, <laughs> fun fact: he is in Madden 2006. Uh, very very deep backup, uh, <laughs> but he is he is in that you know that. But but yeah, I I don't think he would have I don't think he would have lost or turned heel, uh, which was in a cage match. It was Br- Brock Lesnar versus Vince McMahon. With Kurt Angle as the special guest referee, and then Brock Lesnar turned on Angle and set up this monstrous heel turn. Um, I also think that, thinks this. I think this changes the trajectory of Eddie Guerrero's career and how we remember him. Oh. I think I think if Brock Lesnar uh, wasn't leaving, I don't think he drops the title to Eddie Guerrero at No Way Out 2004. And that's a huge thing right there. I didn't even think of that. That's. Big time collateral damage because uh, that honestly, I think everybody knew how good Eddie was. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't watch the guy if you watched that guy and didn't think he was good. I don't know what to tell you. You just you, know, you just pay attention to wrestling, I guess, better. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's as a wrestler. The fact that when he wins the title to me is when he kind of gets a chance to let his personality shine a little bit. Yep, uh, and he really becomes like that's some some of my favorite memories is at our Eddie Guerrero matches in the WWE now because of those title reign that title reign he had so uh man that's a that's a great what if so basically if Brock Lesnar stays we'd never we might not have never gotten a champ Eddie Guerrero no and there is even more stuff that comes from this John Cena probably never becomes the face of the company Uh, oh that's a good okay Yeah, yeah let's let's dive into that real quick so everybody knows Cena became such a face of the company that people kind of turned on him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do, are you saying that Brock would have been that face instead? Is that what you're getting at here? Brock may have been that face. I, I, I think, see, Brock comes off as legitimate to me, not to take away anything from John Cena, but when I see Brock beating up people and doing, like, like dominate, legit dominating people uh, over and over again, I believe it. I legitimately believe it. I believe he's legit. Like when John Cena hurting people, the way, yeah, when, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, when John Cena gets booked the way that he does, you know, oh, flying shoulder tackle, flying shoulder tackle, spin out power bomb, five knuckle shuffle, like that's annoying. That's annoying. Brock Lesnar didn't have that sort of thing. He didn't have that gimmicky thing. He was real. He was he was one hundred percent real. He didn't need that. He just beat the shit out of people. Um, that was Brock Lesnar's mo, and. You know, John Cena was starting to get a, a bit of a push uh, right around the time that Brock Lesnar was starting to get phased out. You noticed uh, 2004 at No Way Out, the same um, same pay-per-view, Brock Lesnar dropped the title to Eddie Guerrero. Uh, John Cena was in a triple threat number one contenders match with Kurt Angle and Big Show. And the following month after that, John Cena finally won his first singles championship, beating the Big Show at WrestleMania for the U.S. title. And then began a big year of just hyping up Cena, hyping up Cena, hyping him up. And they took they, they took their time building him up to that point, which was really good, which was really, really cool. Um, you know, they, they obviously had a restart from somewhere, but, there, I mean, that was a period of time where WWE did not have a face of the company. Uh, which is really awkward uh, when you think about it now. Um, a lot of talent, but no figurehead. Nobody that when you see WWE, you're not thinking, "Oh, it's blo-, you know that guy is part of the company." Um, there wasn't that. So I think John Cena's career is altered. Maybe 
uh, I, I kind of put him at where Randy Orton is now. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think he still would have been a name for sure, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. He would have been the Randy Orton of then. So what would happen to Randy Orton? <laughs> Oof. Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I think everybody just kind of falls yeah. down in resonance, I guess. Yeah. Like it goes down how a, much, goes down one peg or whatever. Just a little, say. just a peg. I mean, Randy Orton's still yeah. talented, but um, Randy Orton, honestly, that, that's another big one too. Uh, I think they put the heavyweight title on Randy Orton in 2004 to kind of erase the fact that Brock Lesnar was the youngest champion at that time um, on record. So, you know, Randy Orton was the youngest world champion ever at 24. They just, like, it was random. He had a really good IC title reign, and they just pushed him to the moon. And I, I, you know, who knows how much that would have changed it. There's a lot of reverberating effects. There there really are about Brock Lesnar moving. Um, SmackDown had a different vibe to it, and you can see there were certain guys jockeying for position. Obviously, John Cena was the most well-known guy, but, um, oh, here, here's another one, JBL. JBL's affected by this. He gets pushed as a top heel if Lesnar never, you know, if when because Lesnar left. If he never left... JBL might not have had the big singles career that he did uh, in nine months. He would have never got that. He would have never got that horn limousine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might have fallen into obscurity. We really don't know. Um, and JBL was, a, I mean, a very interesting character. And but Bradshaw was a tech, uh, tag team specialist. That was right. his mo. He went from APA to New York City businessman guy. And I mean, that's that's a huge dynamic that, that changes a lot of things. Have you ever thought about that? Like, that's basically, if you look at that, that courage uh, path he took, that's literally like the, the goth kid you do in high school. Like, if you meet him 10 years later, and, like, he's like some rich some rich guy in a button-down shirt. <laughs> you know? Like, you just would not see that. It's like watching Green Day put on a dress shirt or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's um, like Green Day singing Coldplay songs or something. <laughs> <laughs> like you just don't picture it it really was man that was one of the weirdest transitions ever but i knew why it happened right uh, at that time because brock wasn't there anymore um yeah yeah i think that's pretty much it for that i don't know if there's any other questions i can really diverge off that but um lester leaving in 04 definitely had a big impact and and, and changed a lot of people's careers uh a lot of people's careers for the better i i, I definitely say yeah, I think a lot of people benefited from him leaving for sure because uh, that left a spot up, spot open, and people wanted it. Uh, so my my last one is, uh, what if we actually did find out who the anonymous general manager was? <laughs> I this storyline, the fact that we never ever got a conclusion to this day drives me crazy. <laughs> Wait, I thought it was the was it Hornswoggle. I could have swore it was Hornswoggle. No, that's their answer to everything. I mean, that's <laughs> Hornswoggle's answer to all things. So I was thinking about this, though. Like, what if they actually gave us a legit answer? So this is back in around... Oh, he actually uh, has a Wikipedia page. There's a legit anonymous... Um, yes. Journal uh, manager. They so ret- this happened... <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I, I, they retconned it and said that Hornswoggle was the anonymous rock general manager in 2012. <laughs> yeah. It was a one-night-only return. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of happened between 2010 and 2011 when this was going on. This is the uh, infamous that get get that weird uh, sound effect all over the arena. 
And Michael Cole would get up and say, and I quote, and put on his glasses and read the email from the anonymous general manager. Uh, so the roster at this time is, uh, this is just a few on the roster. The big show, Kofi, uh, Randy Orton, uh, Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, John Cena, Mark Henry, The Miz, Drew McIntyre, uh, Tyson Kidd, Swagger, William Regal, uh, Kurt Hawkins, Alberto Del Rio, uh, Ted DiBiase. So this is kind of this, Chris Masters is there at this time. The great Khali's there at this time. Let's just kind of give you an idea of who's there during this time era of WWE. Uh, my question to you, Matt, would be, who could they have picked? And it doesn't have to be from that roster. It could be anybody from this time period. Uh, that would have, A, been really awesome, and B, kind of made sense. Um, I'm going to be honest. For the longest time, I wanted Shane McMahon to be a general manager. Yeah. I would have popped for that. I really would have. Uh, I, I was hoping Shane, like, I used to be really excited for the GM position back in the day, and then this angle completely killed general managers for me. I really wanted to see Shane McMahon come back and be a figurehead. Um, there was quite a few other ones, because I think Paul Heyman had an estranged relationship with the E at that time, and I think that could have been interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know about, like, the actual, like, wrestling roster, but... Well, my my thought would be it would have to be. I think Shane's a good a good example, but obviously the the anonymous general manager was, uh, if if they didn't mean him to be, he it was heel he or she whoever it was it was yeah was definitely heel toward the end because people hated that. <laughs> and Michael Cole, I know Michael Cole gets a lot of garbage, uh, but he really did a good job with that stuff of getting heat for it. So, um, it's to me. It's a great example of WWE kind of uh, starting a storyline to get excited about, and then they you can tell they didn't really have an ending planned out for it type of deal. Uh, like the idea, they said, oh, this idea sounds pretty cool, and we'll get a lot of intrigue, and people will be like, who is this? Who's running, you know, who's pulling the strings? And it's such a great who is it kind of thing that you'd want to tune in and find out. But then uh, it was obvious they didn't really have an answer themselves for that question. No, and they seem to, yeah, they did do that a lot. I mean, the Vince McMahon son thing. Uh, yes, they, another Hornswoggle answer. Yes, they, another Hornswoggle. Uh, was it the Raw one million dollar? Remember the remember the Raw the one million dollar <laughs> yes. giveaway? Yes, and it was so stupid. I don't understand what the heck. I don't even know how to register for it. And he wouldn't even give away one million dollars. He'd give it out in chunks. Yeah, of course, because that's how you do it. Yeah. One one week somebody gets like twenty thousand, and the next week somebody got like two hundred thirty eight dollars. I'm like, where are you going with this? Because everybody knows the best thing to do on a live show is to take live phone calls because that always goes well. <laughs> it was the, it was just such an awkward break. Yeah. Um, oh man. Uh. <laughs> so I do you think they should have just not done that and just had a like they've always done, just had somebody you knew who was the general man- manager the whole time? Yeah, I, I don't think the anonymous GM added anything to the product. I don't think – it might have did more harm than – I think really, it did more harm for sure. <laughs> I, I, I think it did. There's a period of time in wrestling for me, I think I've said it on the show a couple times, like 2006 to like 2009 um, – where it's like the lost years, I didn't care for the a lot of the rosters. I didn't care for a lot of the storylines. They weren't very intriguing. Uh, the, just the wrestling in general was was just shaky at best. And I think the anonymous 
GM was kind of part of that era. Um, yeah, I I, I want to say that, um, and, and it did bleed out, you know, in a little while after that. But it was just, yeah, it was just silly. Why be anonymous? You know, it just, it was like you said. I mean, Michael Cole really got the shit out of the stick. He always gets stupid jobs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> so. Yeah, but so, hey, yeah. he's got plenty of money now. I think he's doing just fine. Yeah, I'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> he's still a dickhead, but moving on. <laughs> moving on. All right, let's go to Chris's last one. <sighs> yes. All right, what if Vince never took over the E after his dad and instead Dusty took over, so Dusty Rhodes? How does that change wrestling overall? The presentation, the way it's considered in entertainment now, how does all this change? Um... Interesting. So in other words, what if Dusty took over the WWE? Was that ever a possible reality? I know at one point he was a one of the big wigs for WCW. He's never actually completely like he never owned the company or anything like that. But right, uh, he was a I think he was a booker at one point. Um, he's one of the head honchos at one point for sure. So I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, he he was obviously popular enough. I don't know if he would, and he made enough money. I don't I don't ever remember hearing that being a chance, though. I could be wrong, but yeah, I, I haven't personally. But um, I mean, you know, hypothetically, for example, you know, if somebody like Dusty took over, right? You know, I don't think the entertainment uh, value would be what it was. I I think the WWE would be more, you know, if more athleticism based, more. More focus on the matches. Obviously, there's still backstage vignettes of, uh, you know, their big interviews. WCW was really good about the interviews, and and WF was at that time. But I don't think it would become the, you know, heavy storyline formula where where you're getting an hour of backstage, uh, backstage and talking, and 45 minutes of matches. You know, I just I don't I, I don't think that would have happened if Vince wanted to turn pro wrestling into a circus and, you know, a, uh, you know, a, just a legit for another form of entertainment, no different than MTV, uh, you know, <laughs> teen mom and, and Jersey shore and that sort of thing. That's, that's the direction he wanted. Uh, I think Dusty is a traditionalist. Well, he was, uh, and he probably would have tried to keep it wrestling that way. I don't think, you know, he even, didn't fit in well, even when he was a big with WCW, and he like joined the NWO and stuff. He just seemed out of place. It just didn't seem right. And I don't know if he wanted to even be doing that. Um, but some of the skits he he just didn't fit in with that. So I don't think I think if Dusty did um, take on some kind of executive role uh, in the eighties in the WWF, um, I, I I really think that you know it, it would be still in the traditional wrestling sense interviews yes. uh segments yes. you know yes. segments yes. what you're saying so there is what I was what I would say he to me uh I mean if you go down and ask any of the guys and gals who were in the NXT when he was kind of there uh they all loved him he was a big influence on all of them so that to me is kind of where what his legacy is that and obviously his his kids but uh it's it's just that I don't I don't know as much hate as we give Vince McMahon and he's earned most of it. Uh I kind of think he was vital for 
wrestling in general. And yeah, you know, it might have uh, died out. To be honest, yeah, yeah. I think we would still had it on some level, but never at the never at the point that we eventually got it at. Like we would have never had. I don't honestly think without Vince, we would not have had Attitude Era. I mean, that would have never. I don't think. To me, I don't know if Dusty would ever went for that kind of stuff. No. I could be wrong. But, uh, you know, like you're saying, Dusty, to me, felt like more of a traditionalist as well. Um, uh, the one thing I would say is I bet the promos would have been, would have been great. <laughs> Probably uh, a lot better than all they are now. Uh, yes. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm i kind of with you. So let's kind of take it this way then. If not Dusty, let's just say somebody else took over. Uh, but it, in the the in the long way, it, Vince McMahon uh, Jr. or whatever Vince McMahon, you know, v, whatever you want to say. Let's just say he never took over his dad's company; somebody else did. Uh, do you think that changes everything? Because I kind of think it does. Because Vince McMahon himself, uh, he doesn't really do it now, it seems, but he would take chances back then. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's completely. I mean, that's completely true. He looked at the NWA guys, the Vern Gagne's, the um, I, I don't know who was running WCW at that time. I, I, I can't really say. Um, but he viewed all those guys, you know, oh, Jim, like Jim Crockett and, and all these older territorial guys. He looked at them at all as, as dinosaurs. Vince was young, like relatively young. He was probably in his like late 30s, early 40s around that time. Super ambitious. And he knew. He kind of seen that the writing was on the wall with pro wrestling. He, he knew that it wasn't going to last forever. Kayfabe had been lightly broken. They, you know, he, people knew what it was. And if you, if you continue to pretend it's a, you know, real sport, uh, it's going to die out. Um, Vince McMahon is very crucial. And, and yeah, we do, we do crap on him a lot because if a lot of his ideas are archaic and, oh, just so strange. But yeah, archaic now, but, when he was younger and when he was taking over for his dad's business, I think he was vital then uh, for, you know, for the business to grow as much as it did. Yeah. I mean, yeah, guys lost their jobs. It's uh, It sucks. It's unfortunately the nature of business. It's kind of how things go. If you don't evolve with the times, you you, you stay in the past. Uh, and Vince McMahon did what he had to do. He made a lot of money uh, doing it too. Billionaire. Billionaire, uh, you know, turning pro wrestling into an, inter- an actual entertainment venue, and and he did, man. He changed wrestling. You've seen AWA even tried to to kind of even copy that. Have you ever seen the Wrestle Rock Rumble? Oh, what is it? Refresh my memory. Uh, it's an the AWA made it, um, and they their big pay per view or whatever was Wrestle Rock. I think I'm pretty sure it was AWA. But they had the guys just talking. It was like them like rapping along to it, and <laughs> it sounds amazing. <laughs> it's you know I'm gonna send it to you personally. I hope yeah, you, please do. I'm gonna send it to you personally, um, and maybe I'll insert it into this audio. I don't know yet, but yeah, it was like people they tried, they just couldn't do it. They didn't understand what the appeal was with Vince McMahon. He was light years ahead of him by the time they tried to adapt, and they were gone. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think Vince McMahon was vital to wrestling get a mainstream. Honestly, so uh, love him or hate him, which most people hate him nowadays, understandably so. 
Uh, he was important for, for back then for sure. Uh, I do think some things would have changed the per Chris's hypothesis here. Like we would have uh, wrestling, I think would have been a lot different. I don't know if some of the things would have happened. Other I don't things think would we would instead. I don't think we'd be talking about it right now. Uh, I agree. I agree. So, uh, so Vince McMahon's at least done that. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Vince. Yeah. Thank you. Now, uh, you've earned a rest, Vince. So go rest. Yeah. Go do good stuff with the XFL. Yeah, but, there we go. Perfect, perfect. Um, yeah, I think that does it for this episode. I'm, I had a lot of fun. I like doing these what-if things. I do them for football all the time, uh, my football podcast, and I think they're just a cool hypothetical way to look into what could have been, what what world we'd be living in right now where pro wrestling isn't the way it panned out. It's kind of cool to think about. You know, some kind of Rick Rick and Morty, like, parallel universe type stuff. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. But, you know, I, just, I, 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 like, I like what ifs. I always do. I like the comic book line. I, I always wonder, you know, how, how, things, how things would be different if this happened or that happened. Well, this never right. happened. Um, and I think it works very well with pro wrestling, too, because it is ever-evolving. Uh, there's no slowdowns. Um, yeah, that's just that's just how the wrestling business is. <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Yeah, I. Uh, so thanks for listening to us. We very much appreciate it. We hope by next time uh, we've found Chris and that he's dug himself out of the place he's been buried by the Undertaker. We hope that he's okay. Uh, so thanks for listening to us, uh, Matt. You got anything else? No, I think that's it. Uh, count us out. Oh!